0: Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hi, hello, how are you? Welcome back to Ross Safari Zoo News. I'm excited for what is now our second week of uh, news from zoos and the world of conservation. Y'all, I have a lot of fun ideas for this show already. Um, I'm talking to a couple of my musician buddies about adding some cool stingers and some fun stuff. But um, pretty crazy week this week, so... uh That hasn't happened yet. Maybe soon, though. So keep your ears tuned in. Uh, But I am excited to say that the first thing I've realized I need to do here is split up the stories a little bit by topic. So uh, this week we're going to do a zoo news section, a conservation news section, and uh, then kind of a miscellaneous section. Um, as I've gotten in the habit of doing, can you call it a habit after one episode? I'll also end with the various dates of zoo and animal related uh, holidays coming up this week. So, before we get to the news, a quick reminder to make sure you're following along on Instagram and uh, Facebook at Rossafari, on TikTok at Rossafari Pod i just did a really bad duet with john mayer um changing his lyrics to be about animals and it was, it was it's so cheesy it's so cheesy go give it a like um or else i'll keep making more of them and torturing all of the people that watch them um yeah and other than that i'm just really happy to have you guys here so without further ado here is this week's zoo News. All right. Well, we start off this week's news with some unfortunately very sad news, as many of you have probably already heard. Jack Hanna has been diagnosed with dementia, which is appearing to become Alzheimer's disease. This information was shared by his three daughters in a open letter to the public. And uh, for anyone who doesn't know this, Jack Hanna is the former executive director of the Columbus Zoo, a conservation personality who constantly appeared on Good Morning America and Dave Letterman and The Tonight Show to educate people about endangered species and other cool animals. Uh, He also hosted his own television show and is the author of 15 books. He was the executive director of the Columbus Zoo and then stayed on as a spokesman and the executive director emeritus until last year when he finally retired. And now, uh, unfortunately, due to his medical condition, he is retiring completely from public life at the age of 74. Uh, Jack's first job was at the age of 11 working in in the office of a veterinarian. He literally has spent 63 years of his life in service to animals and conservation. One of his favorite sayings was that you have to touch the heart to teach the mind. So he genuinely believed that by letting people get close to animals, whether at the zoo or on the screen, he could help them realize why these animals are so amazing and care for them more. Kind of like what all of the people that work in conservation and the zoo field and, you know, conservation educators like myself are trying to do every day. This is a huge, huge loss to the conservation world. And um, I just send all my love to the entire Hannah family that is taking care of him. In the letter that they sent out, which I think is well worth finding, it's on all social media platforms, um, they said, and yes, he still wears his khakis at home. The legacy of Jack Hanna is undeniable. Not only is the Columbus Zoo one of the, if not the best in the country, but. Uh, But they do so much work for conservation, and so many people fell in love with the idea of zookeeping and animal conservation because of Jungle Jack Hanna. As a matter of fact, I have a stuffed red panda that travels everywhere with me in my car. And uh, his name is Jungle Jack Panda because he is from the Columbus Zoo and he has an adorable little, you know, Aussie hat, just like Jack Hanna always wore. And uh, yeah, you know, I just I hate to hear that a disease as horrible as Alzheimer's is is taking its toll on such an incredible human. But uh, Jack, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for all that you have done for conservation, education and animals in general. There is some happier news out of Columbus, though. So for those of you that don't know, there are three polar bears at the Columbus Zoo right now. And polar bears are normally solitary animals. Despite that fact, though, the females Aurora and Anana have been living together there for years and are friends. I'm just going to call it what it is. They hang out together. They get along well. They, they seem to really like each other. Over the last year, however, the two females have been separated because Aurora had a cub, Kulu, and Kulu is adorable. I posted a picture of him last week. If you haven't seen it, go check out the Instagram. That is an adorable polar bear. The good news is that, after a year of being apart, the two ladies are now living together again with Kulu. That's right. All three polar bears are united and able to hang out in the same exhibit at the same time. Now, don't worry. The staff at the Columbus Zoo did an incredible amount of work to make sure that all of the introductions and reintroductions went well. They used howdy doors, which are doors where animals can see and sniff each other without actually touching each other. And they had constant observation on the exhibit when the three bears were first united, but there have been no issues. And in fact, all three are playing and getting along very well together. This just makes my heart so happy. I just, I just love it. It's such a great story. So always nice to have some amazing news out of one of the most amazing zoos in the country. An amusing story with a happy ending out of Germany this week, as 24 Barbary macaques recently broke out of the zoo in Leufingen, I think I'm saying that right, in Germany. At the time of this recording, zoo officials were unsure of how the macaques were able to escape, but believe that construction work being done at the zoo had something to do with it. Vague, I know, but I can also understand why. After the macaques dropped off the radar for a while, scaring everyone, they were (laughs) spotted sunning themselves on the edge of a forest near the zoo, completely relaxed, just hanging out, and when keepers approached them, they were happy to just go back, get into their little carriers, and head back into their exhibit. They appear to have really enjoyed their break, but were quite happy to see their keeper friends and go home so there was no further incident and no macaques or humans were injured. I get it. We all want to take a break every once in a while. And speaking of taking a break, if you spend any time on Instagram lately you may have noticed a new trend happening with a lot of zoos and zoo fans. Zoo glamour shots. That's right. If you go and search hashtag zoo glamour shots, you will get to see uh, some really funny pictures. In case you don't remember the 90s, let me tell you, they were a weird time. And one place that they were incredibly weird was your school photos. Because along with snapping a picture of your face, there would often be a weird background with, like, neon streaks and different colors or stars or something crazy like that. Sometimes they would even do two different photos of your face on the same photo, with one faded and one not. I don't know. I I don't know. I lived through it, and I cannot explain to you why this was a thing. But it was, and now, in 2021, the trend is back with zoo glamour shots, and it is hilarious. Many zoos and zoo fans are using it to bring attention to some lesser-known species, such as tapirs, tamanduas, tamarins, and I guess probably some other species that don't start with a T. Um, There are a bunch of red panda ones, including one that I made and have posted on my page uh, for slash the red panda at Elmwood Park Zoo. Elmwood Park Zoo also did an incredible one of their male Jaguar Zian that is just beautiful, while also being ridiculous because, I mean... Hey, that's what glamour shots are, right? Um, But in general, it's just a really fun trend to bring attention to the cool, beautiful animals at these amazing institutions. So if you haven't yet, make sure you check out hashtag Zoo Glamour Shots on Instagram. And we now turn to parenting advice with John. Yes, that's right, y'all. Not only am I an expert on zoos and conservation, but I am an expert in parenting. Okay, okay, no, no, I am not. And no, don't worry, I am not going to say some patronizing thing about being a parent. However, I am going to give this bit of parenting advice. Stop jumping into elephant enclosures, okay? This isn't hard, Elephants are big. Less than three weeks ago, a man was arrested and charged after he entered the elephant exhibit at the San Diego Zoo. You may have seen the video of it. He was carrying a two year old, and an upset elephant charged him. And, like, rightly so, that's trespassing. The guy actually dropped his child, which I can say with a slight laugh because everyone was okay. But fortunately, he has been charged. Another father tried a similar stunt at the Milwaukee County Zoo. He made it over the first fence and was stopped as he attempted to cross the second fence into the enclosure. And he told police that he was just trying to impress his daughter. She's not impressed. I'm not impressed. We're not impressed. I am impressed that the guy is facing trespassing charges. And here's the thing. Not only is this an issue, but it's part of a bigger problem that I'm hearing about. Now, I realize that I am treating this as a true news show, but I'm about to give you some anecdotal evidence, and I understand that some people accept that and some people don't. But I have spoken to a lot of my friends in the keeper field in the last two weeks, and y'all, it is crazy out there right now. And I don't mean the animals. I don't mean anything that we normally talk about on the podcast. Guests are being way worse at zoos all around the country than usual. I'm not going to give away any of the stories that I was told in confidence, but the overall picture that has been painted for me is this whether it's because of frustration about the pandemic being the mask rules that keep us all safe or just having been cooped up all winter. No one's really sure why, but people are just being jerks and making bad decisions when they are at the zoo. These are two high-profile stories of people trying to get into exhibits, but I've heard plenty more where the keeper was able to stop them before they actually got over a barrier, but we're trying. I've also heard all kinds of stuff from threatening comments to just rude behavior at a level that keepers have never seen before. So if you're going to a zoo, chill out and maybe, you know, look at a staff member and say, hey, thanks for all you do, because they do a lot for animals and for people. And uh, right now they're not being treated well. Love the animals. Love the keepers. Calm down, y'all. It's all going to be okay. And stay the hell away from the elephants, all right? And speaking of elephants, some interesting news out of Pittsburgh. The Pittsburgh Zoo, as many of you know and have even heard discussed on the podcast, has chosen to leave the AZA over the decision to make elephants a protected contact species. The Pittsburgh Zoo felt that this would be unfair to the elephants who lived there and as such resigned from the AZA, no longer seeking accreditation from them, and instead became a member of the ZAA. Well, a few years later, it turns out that Pittsburgh is going to be reapplying for membership in the AZA. It turns out that Part of the lease that the Pittsburgh Zoo and PPG Aquarium has with the city of Pittsburgh is a requirement to be in the AZA. Whoops. (laughs) Not great, guys. Not great. So with that lease coming up for renewal in 2022, it is very important that the Pittsburgh Zoo get back into the AZA, though they admit that accreditation takes longer than that. They need to show that they're working on it uh, for the lease to be renewed. So it seems like the Pittsburgh Zoo and PPG Aquarium will be a member in good standing of the AZA again soon, and that their elephants will be switching to protected contact. Our final bit of zoo news this week comes out of Philadelphia, where the Philadelphia Zoo has opened big time. What is big time? Well, it is an exhibit of dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. No, I don't mean an aviary because we all know that birds are dinosaurs, therefore every aviary is actually a dinosaur exhibit, your own little mini Jurassic Park to go wander around, right? But in this case, I am talking about 24 life-sized amniotronic prehistoric creatures, including dinosaurs, woolly mammoths, and other prehistoric beasts. Now, here's the thing. For the longest time, I used to hate gimmicks like this because it takes away from the focus of the animals at the zoo in my mind. However, I have learned that this not only gets more people into the zoo to go see the dinosaurs, who will then also spend time learning about the animals at the zoo and seeing animals they might not have seen, but Philly has actually done a really amazing job with their signage and the story being told at big time. Not only will you learn about the T-Rex, the Alamosaurus, and the woolly mammoth, but you will learn ways to turn the tide for endangered species like the African elephant and polar bear who are facing threatened habitats and extreme weather issues right now due to climate change. It's really cool. They even have a way for people to uh, kind of envision a future where we can all live together and thrive. It's. It's very cool how they are using the past to look at the future. Uh, Big Time has just recently opened and will definitely be running all summer at the zoo. And now we turn to news from the world of conservation. Our first two conservation stories this week are exactly what you would expect from this podcast. Conversations about speed bumps and 3D printing. No, but seriously, y'all, this is really cool. So there's a species in Zanzibar called the Zanzibar Red Colobus monkey that is currently being saved by speed bumps. The Zanzibar Red Colobus is a uh, form of monkey that is incredibly endangered and is only found on the Zanzibar archipelago. Roughly half of the remaining population of these monkeys is found in the Jozani-Chwaka Bay National Park. And unfortunately, there is a main road that passes through that park. Studies estimated that anywhere from 12 to 17 percent of the monkeys who actually encountered the road were killed each year. So park staff came up with a simple yet effective plan. They installed speed bumps on the road. Currently, there are just four speed bumps on the road. But in a six-month study of colobus mortality caused by vehicles, the number dropped all the way down to an estimated 1.7% to 3.24%. Again, keep in mind, that is down from 12 to 17%. These findings were published in Oryx, the International Journal of Conservation, and are considered incredible. But, and yes, it seems like there's always a but in these situations, the speed bumps have already been fairly damaged and were not super well made, so the four speed bumps need to be replaced and improved upon. They are also hoping to get money and permission to add additional speed bumps, hopefully seeing the numbers of fatalities of the uh, Zanzibar Red Colobus monkeys drop even further. This one is definitely a story worth monitoring. And that brings us to our other technological advance that is being used to save animals in new ways, 3D printing. Mangabay.com has an amazing article about this if you really want to dig in deep. And I'm going to start off by saying that 3D printing being used for prosthetics for animals is not entirely new. As a matter of fact, there's even a kind of famous movie called Dolphin Tale about the true story of a dolphin that got a prosthetic tail and was able to swim again. However, before 3D printing, these things took a long time and a lot of money. For instance, getting Winter her tail took 18 months. Some prosthetic limbs for animals cost over $100,000, and that's hard for any zoo and especially any wildlife rehab to pony up. Advances in 3D printing have dropped the costs and the wait times to much more manageable numbers. This tactic is especially successful with birds, including parts of beaks, legs, and feet. But it's not just our avian friends that are benefiting, as mammals and other animals are getting prosthetics made from 3D printers as well. As a matter of fact, an elephant at the Wildlife Alliance's Phnom Tamar Rescue Center in Cambodia has a 3D-printed prosthetic leg. Now, this is a juvenile elephant, and it's still growing, so the prosthetic actually needs to be replaced every few months, which definitely could not be done with the old wait times and cost. But because of 3D printing? No problem. Every couple months, the elephant gets a new leg, and it has a new lease-on life. This kind of thing is incredible and is only going to get better over time. One other way that 3D printing is helping? Anesthesia masks. If you don't know this, they do not make anesthesia masks for every species and every size of every animal. There are the human ones, which fit on primates pretty well, or on the larger primates, I should say. And then they make some smaller ones for dogs, cats, larger ones for horses, but there aren't species-specific ones. And much like we talked about with the Wild Animal Health Fund, when your knowledge, or in this case, your gear, is not species-specific, you have to guess, you have to estimate, and you have to uh, sometimes MacGyver a mask onto an animal that it normally wouldn't fit. Now, instead of that, you can simply 3D print a mask that perfectly fits over the unique animal's face or beak structure, and boom, anesthetized. No issues, no worries. Gotta love technology. In Chitwan, Nepal right now, there is a very cool thing happening. It is time for the rhino census. This week, trackers set out to count rhinos, and they are riding on the backs of 40 elephants to do so. The last count of rhinos in this park was done over six years ago. Many experts actually believe that COVID-19 will have been good for the rhinos— Which, like, must be nice. But anyway, they believe that it's going to be good for the rhino population because without a ton of visitors there, um, the rhinos might have been more inclined to breed and also just less bothered. So that's cool. So how does this work exactly if you're a counter of rhinos? If you're on the rhino census team? Well, you hop on top of an elephant sometimes with an armed guard to help keep poachers and also wild elephants, sloth bears, and other large animals away. And you have a bunch of papers. And uh, you jot down, just with pencil on paper, any details that you can find about the animal. Uh, They take note of scars, horns, neck folds, and anything else that looks unique so that they can then compare with each other and make sure that they're not counting the same animal. They try to write down as much information as possible about every rhino, including its behaviors, while they're observing it. And to be clear, this is not a safe job. Eight people were recently injured while counting rhinos when a wild elephant attacked the group, scaring their elephant, which then threw them all off. Eight people out of 40. That's crazy. And, uh, of course, the guy with the gun who came along was there to shoot into the air to scare off the elephant. Obviously, they're not out there killing animals in the name of counting animals. Uh, But all eight people were injured. The injuries may actually be a blessing in disguise, though, because many park rangers have now decided that this is going to be the last year that the count happens this way and plan to use drones and other technological advances to count rhinos safely while maintaining even better records of the actual number of rhinos in the park. And speaking of counting endangered animals, if you'd like some more information about what that looks like, check out this week's episode of the Every Little Thing podcast. I'm a huge fan of that podcast. A lot of uh, silly humor, Australian accent, and uh, puns. So, wait, basically, it was my Tuesday episode. Weird. But anyway, um, the uh, episode talks about counting, in this case, certain endangered frogs in Panama, different ones than what we talked about uh, with Eduardo and Heidi on that recent episode. But it's a really cool listen and illustrates how people determine whether animals are extinct or merely endangered. And now we turn to the news that doesn't fit super easily into either category, but which I was interested in, and so I'm going to share with you. First of all, some exciting news for fans of red pandas. None of you guys know anyone like that, though. Pixar recently announced a movie that is coming out in 2022 called Turning Red. Turning Red is about a young girl who, whenever she gets stressed or excited turns into a giant red panda. Okay, so first bit of news is that I am going to be there, opening night, with a bucket of popcorn and a large Coke Zero, and I will probably see this movie many, many times. Second bit of news, if you want to be my friend, you also have to see this movie and then tell me you enjoy it. Otherwise, acquaintance is the best you're going to do. But all joking aside, this is actually really, really cool. I wrote an article about this for Red Panda Network, which you can find on their website or uh, in my bio on Instagram. But the gist of it is that the representation of endangered species in pop culture really, really matters. When you look at the story of giant pandas and their journey from endangered to threatened that they have been on over the last few decades— it becomes obvious that it is their representation in media, as well as being brought over from China to multiple zoos in the country, and even having First Lady Pat Nixon fall in love with them and say that they are her favorite animal, that led to an increased awareness of the species and thus a desire to save them. This, of course, led to them getting delisted from endangered to threatened, which is uh, frankly amazing. Now, look, I'm not saying that it wasn't a more complicated story than that, but the media representation definitely helped giant pandas improve their numbers. And this is Disney Pixar, okay? So we are talking toys, we are talking merch, we are talking shirts, we are talking all kinds of crazy cool stuff and kids that want to watch the movie ten times in a single day and podcast hosts that want to do that as well. This is going to be awesome. There will be more stuffed red pandas sold, more books written about red pandas, more toys that are ripoffs of the Pixar red panda, as well as the actual Pixar red panda toys. Awareness is going to go through the roof. Now, two things can happen from this. Either we can use this message wisely and use this to help red pandas and explain their plight and their endangered status and what that means. Or we can have the opposite effect where a bunch of kids walk out of the theater and say, I want panda pets, and we actually see the illegal pet trade go up. So Red Panda Network is already working on a plan. They're trying to get in touch with Pixar to establish a relationship and a campaign of messaging around the film. I have not only written the one article that I mentioned, but plan on doing an entire series leading up to the movie talking about how we can use this movie to help uh, red panda conservation. And we can all take simple steps like using the hashtag nopandapets that the Red Panda Network has set up uh, whenever anybody talks about wishing that they had a panda as a pet. Or even just, you know, if the opportunity presents, talking to a young child that you know who may say that they want a panda or any endangered species as a pet and explaining to them that no, in fact, they, they belong in zoos and in the wild. But as important as that serious discussion is also, oh my goodness, I cannot wait for the first official trailer for this film. Oh, and speaking of entertainment that is now owned by Disney, um, Marvel has released four of the six episodes of their show Falcon and the winter soldier guys. It's it's not about a bird. It's, it's a dude who calls himself Falcon. So uh, just avoid the disappointment if you're looking for a bird. It's actually a really great show, but uh, I just wanted to warn y'all. And now for a story that's going to be hard for me to get through, but not in the way that you would expect. A trio of researchers from the University of Pisa has discovered that lions are amongst the animals that engage in contagious yawning. Now, if you've listened to all of the episodes of the podcast, you know that I have a real problem with contagious yawning. It is no joke that even when I say the word yawn a couple times, it makes me yawn, and I am not faking this right now. It's really ridiculous. Now, we already know that when animals, including humans, yawn, it increases the blood flow in the head, which oxygenates and cools the brain, which thus makes us more alert, right? But the weird thing about this is that lions not only would yawn contagiously, but then the second lion that yawned would also continue to mimic the actions of the first lion for a little bit. If one got up and went and examined a different area, the other one would do the same thing. If the first lion yawned and then turned around, the second lion would yawn and then turn around. Although the researchers are not entirely sure why this is, they believe that it is because yawning does increase that blood flow like we talked about and thus helps the lion stay more vigilant. And so if the first lion does something, the second lion is going to mimic the behavior also being more vigilant in that same direction. The basic idea is that this boosts collective awareness and could help locate threats and food sources. See that, y'all? I'm not just some weirdo who yawns when I talk about it too much or someone else yawns or I see a yawn on TV or I see a dog yawn. I'm just helping boost collective awareness. And that does it for this week's episode of Safari Zoo News. I would like to give a huge shout out to Kim Cooley, Danny poirier Larson, Liz Dunlevy, and Jacob Newman for hitting me with articles that made it into this week's episode. I super appreciate the help. Don't forget, if you work at a zoo or in conservation or even just see some cool articles about those topics, feel free to send them my way. You can message me on Facebook or Instagram at Rossafari. shoot me an email at RossafariPod at gmail.com, or click contact us on my website at rossafari.com. And remember, y'all, the phrase newsy credits backwards is yeswen steiderk. Well, that's our show for this week. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed making it. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan Burke and John Rossi. Listen and subscribe on any podcast app. Please take the time to leave a review as it helps other people find our podcast. You can find Rossafari on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Rossafari. on the web at Rossifari.com, or email me directly at RossafariPod at gmail.com. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.